I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. We've talked about how occasionally we have to switch from breakfast to dinner. Boo. <laughs> we'll just think of it as breakfast for dinner. Right. Because uh, that's, a, that's a holy and honored uh, tradition. Uh, but Luke, there are so many stories that have to do with meals. So, and a lot of times these are, they're just dinner. So we're going to be in Luke 14 uh, for anybody who is actually reading along with us, which I hope, hope some folks will do at least like investigate this a little bit. Uh, but Jesus is at a dinner party, which we know from previous experience that when Jesus is at a dinner party, things get weird <laughs> that he has a way of like being awkward Making at, it a thing. Yeah. So he does a couple of awkward things at some fancy, uh, dinner parties. Um, it's worth, I think, just kind of exploring because this is a lot of what he's talking about here. In the first story that we're looking at in verse 7, he there are places of honor at the party. There's like seats that are better or more venerated than the other seats. And he sees people like jockeying for position to try to sit at the coolest seats at the table. Um, so it has me in my head that that's not just any old dinner, right? Like there's there's certain dinners where that matters more. Right. So like a, some like a wedding reception yeah. or something where there are certain tables that are like a little closer to the the esteem or the value or honor. Right. Um, so I just wondered, I thought we could maybe start with just kind of talking through like the fanciest meals we've ever been a part of. Uh, I don't know. If we, have we talked? I don't think we've talked about that yet. I don't I, no, we yeah. haven't done fancy dinner on, on that same note as far as positioning for places at the table. I've definitely been a participant in work dinners where okay. we were with other clients or with other partners. And yeah. it was very obvious that Their strategy certain spots were supposed to be closer to the project manager, to whoever needed to be wooed. And then there was a certain part of the table that felt like the kid's table <laughs> yeah. where people would be pouting because they weren't closer yeah. to whoever they needed to. Yeah, um, that makes sense in a professional right. environment. Yes. Yeah. So what are your what are your stories of like that? What are your what are your fanciest you have a fancy meal in mind? Yes, fancy meal um, at school at High Point. Something that's a, a little bit silly over the top that they did was they had these. Um, there was a steakhouse that you could go to, but you had to be prepared to um, meet a certain dress code and to learn certain etiquette rules. Oh, yeah. Like it was it was college, yeah. college etiquette. 101 so you'd come in and um you'd get very you you had yeah first you had to be dressed a certain way and then second you had to um follow all of the protocols and then weren't you you could only order your like steak a certain way right you could only yeah it was or so else it'd be offensive class to, to the chef well done. Yeah. right exactly so it was yeah. it was silly but it got um you got a free really fancy meal so <laughs> it's so interesting and was i i don't know this might be talking too much too much um gossip about your your no, you can mater. get gossipy. It was there was some slippery. I I had I had a great experience there. Yeah. I had great professors, great community, but there was some well, silly things that part went down. Because they wanted like alumni who were kind of classy, right? Who knew how to conduct that. They wanted 
alumni who would eventually probably give back. Right. You wanted alumni to give back. And then the concept of just being able to hold your own in any environment, no matter how high stakes. Yeah. Yeah. High stakes. High stakes. (laughs) I like that. I don't know if it was on purpose. It's funny, but yeah, you'd get in trouble there for doing the wrong thing. It was, um, you gotta, you gotta sit up straight. I love that. 1924. Yeah. Um, was that the name of the, the, the steakhouse? It was. The high steakhouse. Um, I, so I've been a couple, like a few meals stand out to me. One was, uh, I actually, it was when I went back to my college and, they had just recently like redone the budget for like guests to come into town. And so the guy who was, uh, again, we're talking, this is real gossip here talking about our schools, but Mm -hmm. the guy who had just taken over the kind of the hospitality or like hosting people, he had got like a brand new budget and he was super excited about it. And so I came into town and like, he was like, let's get 10 people and go to the (laughs) fanciest restaurant because it was a brand new budget. And so we did went to, we went to like this, it was like in an old house and it was one of those menus where it was like whatever was the freshest thing that they could get. And you, it was like a set menu basically. And there was probably no dollar sign next to it. Right. It was and just, just here's what we're serving tonight. Mm-hmm. And it's four or five courses. Uh, and it was actually very freeing because it was just like, it took away all the options and you just knew that whatever you were getting was good. Right. Um, and then I did get to go, this was a part of a, a work project uh, when I worked for a different place than the church <laughs> where we, we got to go to the Ritz Carlton in Lake Tahoe Ooh. and that's the fanciest breakfast I've ever been a part of. And it wasn't, it wasn't, um, like a meal served you. It was still like a breakfast buffet. It was just a little, a little class elevated. Yeah. And I've always said this about that trip. The way to like explain it is that there was no trash cans anywhere. <laughs> Because somebody else yeah, would because the, make the sure trash it happens. Would just disappear. And it was so hard for me to get used to because I would like finish up a plate or finish up like with a coffee cup and like and look, look for the spot <laughs> where you responsibly dispense your trash. And they were like, it just magically just disappeared. Don't it question like, it. Yeah. Which is a, just a way of walking through the world that I am I was not accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is so this is one of those moments where I think it just helps us to like recognize that we all have maybe some experience with that, that there are some meals where there is status, mm-hmm. you know, or there it, it's also social. There's like social things we're working out uh, when we eat together. Even like you said, with the family meal, right? The kids, the, the perennial kids table. Right. Um, there were all that most families have some designation and some ritual where you graduate. So yeah. eating with the grownups. So meals with underlying factors beyond what's in front of you. Yeah. We know there's more play, even if it's just like, you know, like you're saying, when you go out to, to eat with work, like trying to figure out who do you want to sit across from? Right. Right. Because if you have more than four people or so at a table, it becomes like this mechanical thing where your conversation is dependent on who you end up next to or across from. Right. And the, yeah, and that strategy doesn't need to necessarily be malicious, but it is intentional. Like, yeah, it's, it's just reality. Right. Even if you are you all have the same social status, you still have to figure out, do I want to sit across from the guy who's going to talk about video games, you know, <laughs> or do I want to sit across from the woman who's going to talk about her husband? Like, you right. know, just kind of playing the, the, the weird game we're all playing socially sometimes. Right. Uh, comes to life around uh, tables. And so Jesus finds himself in this kind of moment where he's watching everybody 
uh, jockeying for a position. And so he turns this into, because he's Jesus and he's always got to do this, <laughs> he's always got to like hit the pause button and be like, we're learning something about life together, guys. <laughs> and so he does this thing about just what kind of people do you want to be? Do you want to be the people who jockey for position and put yourself in a place of honor? Or do you want to put yourself at the kids table and let other people invite you to move up in the world? Mm -hmm. And so he kind of tries to get them to understand that in the kingdom of God, the table rules are different. I've always thought it was interesting. I don't know if it's actually interesting or not. So we'll see. I'll, I'll decide not, afterwards. I'll okay, tell you, you yes tell or no. It's interesting. I've always thought it's interesting that in schools, uh, at least in the school system I was a part of, in elementary school, you sat in those long tables and your lunch companions were everybody in your grade mm -hmm. or at least like a couple people, like a couple classrooms. Yes. And then when you went to middle school, at least in my school system, Columbus Public Schools, what, what? Uh, mm -hmm. The tables got smaller mm -hmm. to where it was like maybe 12 to 14 people sitting around the table. And then when you get to high school, it was smaller still. to like maybe just six to eight people. And a lot of people went out like we snuck out uh, for lunch when I was in high school. So I always thought it was kind of just it mirrored how it feels to be a person. It does. <laughs> that gave you, me anxiety as you were describing it. <laughs> then you go from just like lined up and you sit where you sit in elementary school. Whoever. So then, you know, obviously as you go on to college or you go get a job, lunch becomes like an invitation sort of thing of like who's going to ask you to come with them. And some people will go to like sit in the park by themselves, you know, like because it are just our social window gets kind of smaller and smaller. Which I think just tells us something about being people, maybe. Right. I wonder how much easier high school would have been if they maintained the long tables. Yeah. What so, if yeah. just like, you know, everybody whose last name starts with A through G sits at this table. Uh, you know, like what would it have done to us right. to have to figure out how to just be with each other? Or does it do something good to us to find like a closer network mm. um, or to practice that? You know, to find people. Um, but I was thinking it, it tells us it, it's there's some kind of revelation there. Right. And I think Jesus sees this, that there's some kind of thing about being people. And so not only so he tells this story, right, about how in the kingdom of God, there's some value to being the person who purposefully seats yourself at a at a lower position uh, around the table. And then not only that, uh in this dinner party has a metaphor for how to live. Uh, he kind of takes it extra far <laughs> to be about even just who you invite to the dinner party. And then he's trying to say, it's not just about who you want to be right now, but this is how it's going to work forever. That, that there's something in the dinner party that is about eternity. And he goes on to say that when you throw a party, that your guest list should include uh, all the people who are in the margins of society. Um, so you might think, I don't All I can think about is the TV show Frasier. <laughs> I'm not familiar. <laughs> Frasier and Niles, this is a throwback to kids of the 90s, but Frasier and Niles would throw these dinner parties that would always go horribly wrong. But their guest list would always, they'd be trying to get like the hottest 
people in <laughs> Seattle to come to their party. That's a funny um, concept. Yeah. And so Jesus is trying to say, don't be like Fraser and Niles. Um, he, he's nine 14. <laughs> That's right. It's right there. Um, he says, uh, this, and this is language that, you know, we talked about is kind of delicate, but he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. Which Some of those are words that we would maybe be gentler with the way we'd use them. Uh, but I think Jesus is using those, those words with honor. Mm. Um, Cause he's saying those are the best people to have at a party. And he's of course giving categories that in an agricultural world where you are really only as strong as your back, you know, you're really only as strong as like what your body can do um, or what your family has been able to grow in a field or whatever in a world that was dependent on a lot of physical labor. These are the folks who have the fewest resources uh, who have the, the lowest mobility in every way imaginable um, and who probably have the least amount of dinner invitations. And Jesus says, those are the first people you should invite. And then he goes on to tell a story because that's how, what he does. Uh, so somebody at the dinner party gets up and gives a weird toast. <laughs> where they, not your weird avocado toast, but a different, <laughs> a different kind of toast where they say, blessed is anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. And it doesn't even say what that guy's name is. It just says one of the dinner guests just gets up and says a weird thing. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus transitions to, let me get even weirder. <laughs> And tell you and Jesus story. is making this party uncomfortable. Yeah, that's his, his whole goal seems to be show up to dinner party. One, two, make it weird. <laughs> that's his two piece agenda uh, to dinner parties. So he shows up and he, he tells them this story about this time, this guy threw a big party and he pulled the Fraser and Niles and he invited all these people and everybody that he invited to his dinner party made an excuse. And so then the guy makes the list that Jesus wants him to make where he goes out in the streets and just says, anybody who doesn't have anywhere to go, come to my party. Mm -hmm. And the people, all those people show up and he says, there's something in this story um, that, that is about the kingdom of God. He says, I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner, (laughs) which is so threatening. Yeah. You know, Uh, but it's this idea that if you have a lot of invitations in this area, Uh, If you get invited to all the fanciest things, there's a chance um, that who you are doesn't quite fit around the table that Jesus would set. Um, And so I guess it's just, so there's that story. What do you think about it? Any first responses to it? Um, How does it strike you? I don't know. It makes me a little bit nervous. It's scary to invite people that you don't know. (laughs) I think that's any kind of invitation is a, is a vulnerable thing, right? I think, you know, and in this pandemic, we're maybe even losing some of that. Have you ever just thrown a, have you ever thrown a birthday party for yourself or somebody else? In a long time. Yeah. I, I am always scared to do it because it is that thing of what if nobody. Absolutely. What if there's a huge. So that's the other piece of this story. I've always loved this story. One, because I think it's a giant, there's a giant social upheaval happening in this story that Jesus tells that, that the people you should focus on are the people nobody's focusing on. So that's. A giant enough, big picture, like giant reversal of how the world works that Jesus is trying to call people to. But it also puts God in that vulnerable place of constantly inviting. Right. And who is going to show up to the invitations that God issues. 
And I think in the story, we're supposed to see that the more it's, and it comes up in a lot of the stories that Jesus tells is that the people who have the most needs are the ones who like fit in best in the kingdom of God, Mm. because they don't have all these things get in the way of saying yes to the invitation. Um, so there it's, again, it's almost like the, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about the, the reckless farmer, right? right. Of God, like sending all these words out and all these dangerous things could happen to the words They could get choked by weeds or burned out by the sun. And here we have this invitation that it's the same thing. Like God is also a very, uh, careless party thrower, um, who will just invite anybody, uh, to the party. Um, and I think sometimes we need to hear that, that, that it includes us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so maybe that's the thing we could remember over breakfast is that whatever puts us at odds, if there's any part of us that feels like the outcast, um, that we would be the first people Jesus would send the, uh, the invite to. Does that sound right? That sounds right. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us on the breakfast translation. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram where we post weird pictures of our food uh, <laughs> as often as we can uh, at the breakfast translation. 